take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 7, and as you're turning to John chapter 7, verse 37, I want to remind you that we're starting our 21 days of praying, and if you'd like fasting for the next 21 days, however you choose to do that, and uh, I want to tell you I'm excited with what God has. I want to remind you that out in the foyer, we do have our prayer devotional, uh, a It'll start today. You can read the devotion that goes along every day. We'll be doing that together as a church. Also, if you're new to the church, we have out in the foyer our vision and our purposes and our mission on a separate paper. I'd like you to get a hold of those. And listen, that puts all of us on the same page. I might even quiz you on some of this later on. And How many of you know that every church has a purpose and a reason for being? God has a direction that we go together that keeps us on track together. So as you're getting these two uh, wonderful tools in your hand, it'll give you uh, ideas on how to pray for the year. There's also a prayer uh, uh, guide in the front that gives you other ideas to pray for. We are expecting God. Listen, I believe that prayer doesn't just move the hand of God. I believe that God moves in answer to prayer. And that for us, we will see the Lord every time we take the month of January to seek his face. He blesses throughout the year. And so we will have times on our Wednesday night for prayer. We will have, of course, uh, the times every day that we are together, united in prayer. And I'm thankful for a praying church. If you're going to join in that time of prayer, would you just lift your hand for a minute? Praise God, look at that. I promise the Bible says where two or more are gathered in his name, that he's in the midst of and as we agree as touching anything, he'll do what we ask. How many of you are expecting God to do great things in 2022? So this morning, every second Sunday of January is Vision Sunday. God gives us a direction and a purpose in the coming year. And so this year's, as you've heard Warren say, and as you've heard me talk about over the last couple of weeks, the Lord gave me the word overflow. John 7, verses 37 through 39 says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And I want you to see that part of the verse, but out of his belly, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. Father, this morning we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Spirit of God, we welcome all that you have for us. Thank you for that vivid illustration you gave Warren about how you will fill and overflow. Lord, as we get ready for this year, we humble ourselves this morning, Lord, individually and as a church, and we say, Lord, we're yours, work through us. And Holy Spirit, we invite you here this morning, may we decrease, may you increase, and all God's people said amen. amen. So again, as I was praying about the coming year, two words kept leaping in my spirit, and that was the words overflow and outpouring. Last year, our theme was deeper higher, wider, and further. And I believe that describes what happens when you follow a river and what happens when you choose to go where God is taking us spiritually. 
Each year, I believe, the Lord builds on what he does the year before. How many of you have watched that with your own children? Aren't you glad that your one-year-old back then is now actually an adult today and they're not acting like they did, you know, 20 years ago? The same is true in a church. We grow. We follow the Lord. We're growing together and we grow in what God has for us. Overflow is what happens to a river that begins to fill its banks and actually outgrows its natural boundaries. And the only way that happens is when it rains and the amount of rain coming in is greater than the capacity of the banks of the river to contain it. Outpouring leads to overflow. I want you to hear me. Overflow is always the result of an outpouring in the natural of rain, but in the spiritual, it is an outpouring of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives individually and corporately as a church. Overflow means that there is plenty for you and more than enough to share with others. How many of you like what Warren, and listen, Warren and I didn't plan that this morning. I thought that was just a perfect illustration. There is so much to share that you don't even think about what is leaving you because there is so much there that there is not only enough for you, there is more than enough that you can't even contain what God is doing in your life. When Jesus spoke the words we read in John chapter 7 to his disciples, he was specifically speaking of the work that the Holy Spirit would do in and through the life of those that have been filled with him. Jesus was telling the disciples that they would be so full spiritually that they would impact every area of their life and the lives of the people that they come into contact with. After the disciples received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us they went on to change the entirety of the known world and the impact of what they did is still felt today. Now, I believe this. I believe that we are entering a new season of spiritual overflow. Now, I want you to hear me. I am not here to cater to your material desires. Turn to someone and say, he's not talking about your money. How many of you know God will take care of your money? The problem that has happened in the modern church is that we've asked God for an outpouring of his spirit, but what we've really wanted was more poured into our pocketbooks. How many of you know God said he'd already supply all your needs according to his riches and glory? Touch someone and say, you got to want more than just what you can get. Go ahead. Tell someone right next to you. you got to desire it. Now, I want you to hear me. The spiritual always affects the natural. And while the two are separate in many ways, they are intrinsically intertwined. If you try to separate the soul and the spirit or the soul from the body, you can't do it. It's like trying to separate the wet from water. How many of you know that if God touches one part of your life, it's going to happen in every part of your life? What I found is that many Christians today are looking at the world around them and we are seeing a proliferation of sin and wondering if any good is actually going to be able to happen in the world. I want to remind you what Romans 5.20 says. It says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. The Amplified said, but the law came to increase and expand the awareness of the trespass, 
by defining and unmasking sin. But where sin increased, God's remarkable, gracious gift of grace, his unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased all the more. All around us right now, we are watching as people are breaking man's laws and God's laws. And the more that laws are broken, the more that we see how people are broken. And wherever sin increases, the grace and unmerited favor of God also abounds in the world. This causes us, if we're not careful and we look at what's happening in the world, we can become angry or heartbroken. Or we can be filled with the expectancy that comes when you are filled with the very Spirit of God at what God can do and what God can accomplish in the world around us. Someone needs to hear what I'm saying. I believe with all my heart that we are entering a season of an outpouring of the grace and mercy of God, not only upon our lives, but upon lives around us that will be amazing as the Holy Spirit flows through us. There are a lot of things that I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and I just really want to go through those points this morning, and I pray that you'll let the Spirit of God speak to you. First of all, the Bible says that when you are filled with the Spirit of God, that rivers of living water will flow through us. I want to ask you a question this Vision Sunday. Do you see yourself as someone with rivers of the Holy Spirit flowing through you? Do you see yourself as a child of God that the Lord is actually working in in such a marvelous way, not only in your life, but he is flowing through your life into the world around you? Many times, most Christians now in our world are just trying to get so filled with God, they feel empty in their own life that they're not pouring out. But God said that those filled with the Spirit of God, that rivers of living water would flow through us. First of all, Jesus called the work of the Holy Spirit in our life a river and not a lake. You see, rivers flow and lakes collect. It is amazing to me how a river stays full even while it's flowing and even while it's giving out. There are times when I've, I don't know if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, but I have stood there at the falls and I've been amazed that year after year, day after day, that fall is still full and flowing. It's like, when does the river ever run out? How does God do that? I want to remind you how the Lord works in all of our lives. And that river that it's in will sometimes be wide. Sometimes it will narrow. Sometimes the water moves in rapids and sometimes it slows down. I want you to understand that in Pentecost, for some reason, we always think that the river is going to be at full speed in rapids, pouring over the falls and stirring all the time. How many of you know that God has a purpose for the river, where it's going, and as it's flowing. Seasons of absolute quickness, and then seasons where you just get to go with the flow. Rivers are always moving. They're not stagnant. That means that God is always working in our lives, sometimes at full capacity, sometimes at a slower speed, but the river is still flowing. The Dead Sea is dead because it is always collecting and doesn't have an outlet to it. But Jesus promised that he would fill us with the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit would always be moving in our life 
and through our lives. I want to remind you that we are not just something that the Holy Spirit is to fill. We are a vessel that he is meant to flow through. He will not only work in us, but he will also work through us. I believe that whenever you see the great outpourings of the Spirit of God, that you don't just see it happen inside of a church building. I believe that it becomes a great place because the people of God come together and that becomes the place where the source of rain comes and God begins to pour out his life in us and through us as we pray and as we seek his face. But listen, if it only stays within the building, it doesn't really do any good. How many of you know that the Bible said that out of our lives would flow rivers of living water? And so it flows into this place and as we individually go to where we are, the Spirit of God moves through our life wherever we go. It's a powerful thing. A lot of people are empty, even though they're so full of so many things. And the reason for that is we were never meant to be a lake. We are meant to be a river. If you ever look at a Christian, and listen, we all go through difficult times. We really do. But you find a lot of churches, you find a lot of Christians who get unsatisfied. It seems like the more they get, the more that they have, the fuller their lake becomes, the less satisfied they are with what's going on in their life. And that's because they have no outlet to what God is doing. God said out of your life would flow rivers of living water. Touch someone next to them and tell them you're supposed to be a river. Go ahead, tell them real quick if you would. Now the secret to being full is found in allowing what the Holy Spirit has filled you with to flow into the lives of others. Listen, a river overflows not because it is empty, but because it is so full that it is actually looking for an outlet. And what God is doing in you will eventually be something that he uses to impact the lives of others. And the Holy Spirit is designed to flow through you where it transforms you and then you begin to bless those that are around you. And someone needs to hear this this morning. The Holy Spirit in you is not just enough. He is more than enough to fill you and to use you to be a blessing to someone else. Would you do me a favor? Touch someone else and say you were filled to be a blessing. Go ahead and tell them right now. Filled to be a blessing. Can I tell you, you will find that the satisfaction of your life is when you allow the Holy Spirit to so fill your life that you can't help but to give out. And listen, that's not determined. Listen, remember, when rivers flow the most, there's usually a storm. So what I've found in my life is that sometimes the weather conditions going on, when I'm being filled the most, means that it's some of the most turbulent times that go on in my life. But there's still a filling, and there's still an overflowing. And God is leading the church of Jesus Christ in this day and age to know how to do that, to stop looking at the storm and to thank Him for the blessing of the overflow. Now, the key to overflow is found in giving. And the reason that many people withhold from God is because they believe it will leave them with less. And I want to remind you again, I'm not talking about money. You will find in this church, we don't talk a lot about it. We receive an offering each week. I can tell you that 2021 for this church financially was the best this church has ever seen in years and years and years. In the middle of COVID, the last two years have been remarkable. I have found the less that I talk about money, the more God pours it out. I like that because God never called me to be a fundraiser. He called me to be a preacher. 
But God called us to give what he's given us. And when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can pour that out into the lives of others. I have found that when you give everything to God, not only are we not left with less, he gives us more than enough. When we choose to love people the way God has loved us, you will never run out of it. When you begin to pour into the lives of others the encouragement that they need, you will be refreshed like nobody's business. When we give everything that we are to God and hold nothing back, we release what is blocking our path and we release an overflow of his favor and his provision for everything in every area of our life. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Pressed down, good measure, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Touch someone and say, Quit being cheap. Go ahead. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about everything that God's given you. The Amplified says, Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over with no space left for more. For with the standard of measurement you use when you do good to others, it will be measured to you in return. Overflow means that you understand that God is holding nothing back, and neither should we. Psalms 84.11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I want to ask you another question. Do you see yourself as someone that God is not withholding one good thing from you? A lot of Christians today are walking around with this complex that God really doesn't love me. He doesn't care for me. Because you're going through a difficult time, you feel that God is withholding from you. Listen, sometimes the greatest thing we need are the most difficult times in our life because it's out of those seasons that God gives us gifts, equips us with skills, reveals himself to us in ways that we could have never, ever known it in the past. It comes through those things. Do you see yourself as someone that God is never holding anything good back from? I want to tell you, I've found that God has never ripped me off once. There have been times I've looked at what God wanted to do, and I wanted to hold back on being obedient to what he wanted, because I said, God, I don't know that I like where you're taking me in this. And his question wasn't, what do you think will you receive? His question was, do you trust me? You see, when the disciples went into the upper room to receive the Holy Spirit, they were obedient because they trusted God. They didn't know what waited them, how long it would take for them to receive what God promised he'd give them, but they went in obedience before the Lord. They said, we're available for what you want to do, and God began to pour it out. And just as God withholds no good thing from us, we need to understand that it is as we allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us that we will always experience the continual filling of the Lord. Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25 says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds what, more than what is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Amen. I want to remind you that in every way, in every situation, you can never outgive God. And the more you refresh others, 
the more you will be refreshed. Can I remind you that the world right now is feeling beaten up? They are feeling like no one loves them. They're feeling like there's no way to measure up. There's always another bit of bad news around the corner. How many of you know God said, you shall go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature? When we were praying on uh, Friday night in our first Friday prayer, one of the words that came that day was this, we have good news to give to people. Can I remind you that instead of us getting into the dreary gloom and doom of what's going on in the world, we still have the good news that Jesus is here to save, deliver, heal, and set people free. In the middle of all that's happening and all the negative that we're being conditioned to walk in, we need to be those that are living in the good news of Jesus Christ. And when you refresh others, you will be refreshed. Listen, I know that we're living in the last days. We know what the Word of God said will happen in those days. That gets me excited, not upset. We're seeing prophecy fulfilled. And that means that if we know God is doing what He said He would do, we have a lot of good news to give people and a lot of hope to place in their hand. In many ways, you have to understand that the more you refresh, the more you become refreshed. And that is the ultimate in sowing and reaping. And the more you sow... The more a church will pour into the world, the more we'll begin to see the Holy Spirit increase. And the more you increase, the more there is to sow. And before you know it, you are overflowing with encouragement and energy and measure. Listen, there is a companion message to this next week that you don't want to miss. It will continue. The Bible talks, let me give you a preview of it. It talks about the time where the sower is going to overtake the reaper where those that are, that are beginning to plant a harvest, are going, things are going to be going so well that you don't have time enough to get it in the ground. Exactly what Warren in that vision was saying is the water begins to flow and pretty soon everybody's wet. The Bible says the generous souls will be made rich. And this has implication in every area of life. Is there an area that you need to overflow in? Then give to it. And then give out of the increase, and before you know it, you'll be overflowing in that area. Listen, I made a decision, listen, with all the different folks that have moved here now, and with the panic that's going on, you can walk into your Publix and you can feel the crankiness and the agitation going on in people's lives. You know what I determined? The one that I shop at all the time is going to be the happiest Publix in all the world. We're going to let people go in front of us when they want to get a parking space. We're going to smile at people when they're trying to cut you off and get in the way when you're just wanting a box of cereal. Listen, if you want to see the Spirit of God move, then sow the Spirit of God into other people's lives. Listen, come on, you can give the Lord a praise if you want to. One person at a time, one day at a time, rivers of living water will flow out of your life. And listen, overflow is not just God pouring into your lap. It is also storing what God has given you. From love, to finances, to winning souls. Hear me. God desires for Christians to rediscover the connection between giving and overflow. What do you see is lacking somewhere? You have the seed for it in your life. Begin to plant it and pour it out, and God will use it to bring people to Christ. Now I want you to mark this down. The river of the Holy Spirit is a living river. That means that wherever it flows, there's life. 
And if the Holy Spirit is flowing through us, then we are life givers. The third question I want to ask you this morning is, do you see yourself as a life giver? Do you realize the impact that the Spirit of God in your life has wherever you go? From the place that you work, to the phone calls and conversations that you have, do you see yourself as a life bringer? As a life bringer? As a life bringer? Do you expect that wherever you go, the Spirit of God will so flow through you that wherever you go, you will bring life even in places that seem dead, even in places that don't seem like they can ever be brought back to life? Relationships, areas of your job. Listen, you are a life bringer. The Bible says that out of our heart will flow rivers of living water. And wherever rivers go and wherever they flow, then things will live. If you've ever looked at desert places, if you look at the Nile River from the air, you see nothing but desert all around it, except for the strip of lands that are around its banks. All of it is lush filled with fruit trees, filled with wildlife and farmland. Wherever the river goes, there is a stream and a boundary of life. Do you realize that where you and I go, we bring life wherever it is? Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 said, Blessed is the man or the woman who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its root by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Psalms 1 verse 3 says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. With the Holy Spirit in our life, God promises that we will be found fruitful, even in drought, and that we will also help others to flourish wherever the river goes. Can I tell you, I trust that wherever God takes me, that people will flourish. And I have found this, wherever I go, when there are people that are not wet, when there are people that are dry, somehow that water just begins to go into. Why? Because I can feel it leaving. I can feel the overflow going into their life. Yesterday, my wife does some great things. Ever since I had that car accident years ago, I get a tense back. So they'll take me in. They let me have massages every once in a while. Went in yesterday and just expecting to just kind of be mellow and fall asleep. And all of a sudden, the lady who started working on my back began to pour out the things going in her life. She was dry. And while she was refreshing my back, God used me to speak into her life. Let me ask you, do you expect wherever you go, just in casual encounters, things that you don't expect, that rivers of living water will flow through? I promise you it will be one of the most exciting. You can, you can either look at it and go, really? I've got to have something coming th- through my life again that's going to touch someone? Yes. Listen, that's not a drag. As you refresh others, you will be refreshed yourself. Do you expect that wherever you go, 
Do you expect in every encounter that you have that the life-giving and the power of the Holy Spirit will flow through you? You see, wherever rivers flow, there's life. Part of what rivers do is remove dead things. If you've ever looked at a flowing, overflowing river, part of its purpose is to purify. Dead things get caught up in the flow and they get moved out of the way. And when rivers are not polluted by man, they have a way of filtering the water and keeping it pure, which brings life to everything it touches. And when the Holy Spirit flows through us, it brings with him purifying power. And when the Holy Spirit begins to move, don't be surprised to watch him do a sweeping, purifying work, not only in your life, but in the lives of others. And this is what freaks out a lot of people all the time. When the Spirit of God really begins to move in a church, when there is an overflow of the Spirit of God in your life, get ready for the Lord to deal with everything in you that is dead, every branch in you that is not producing fruit, everything inside of you that needs to be removed. The Holy Spirit will sweep that up and move it out of the way so that there is nothing but purity in life right there. I have found that wherever I go, that the Lord, when he's working through you, will deal with the sin in other people's lives. And this gets Christians a little upset, a little, a little, little messed up because they might be expecting the gentle part of the river. But you may step in and you begin to see. Listen. One of the reasons why you don't see great outpourings of God in churches is because we're not sure what to do when we see God moving the dead things out of the way. See, upstream when God begins to pour, there is such an outpouring that it begins to stir. And then when you get into the slower moving parts of the river, you see some of the sludge that's on top. The broken branches... We get afraid of all that stuff. He'll stir it up and then he'll let you see it. And you see it for what it is. Any river people here? Any kayakers here? Any whitewater rafters here? You've done it? Isn't it fun? And you'll get into stuff upstream and man, it's just cruising. I still like whitewater rafting. Not necessarily in the Colorado. That gets a little wild and wooly for me, but I like Oh, the Nettle Hill up there in Tennessee. I love that. The New River, the Yakagini, beautiful rivers. But after you go through the rapids, you slow down, and you'll see off on the side some of the sludge. You don't want to get in the middle of the sludge. But how many of you know God has a way of stirring it up so it'll get out of the way because he's cleaning? He's purifying. The modern church, we want all the... The, f the flow, we want all the excitement, but we forget that sometimes when you get in, you're going to see. How many of you know we need to allow the Spirit of God to purify? It's a marvelous thing. And if you've ever been in the middle of rapids, sometimes you wind up finding things that you had on you in the boat when you get downstream because you lost it up there, and there it is down there. I want to tell you, there was a time when the people of God just called on the Lord and said, God, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, purify me. 
And in the midst of the purification, you may find some of the good things that you had in your life kind of fall off. God will let you pick it up downstream. But it'll have to stir. My prayer during this year is that God will do a work in us where every dead thing, every impure thing will be removed from us. I want you to mark this down. Rivers shape and change the landscape around them. Rivers have a way of disturbing things and moving things. They redistribute. It's interesting to me. I'm looking as I listen to people and they talk about climate change and all the things. They talk about the Mississippi and how all this silt is coming out and it's, it's widening the mouth and there's more land being built at the end of the river and they're, they're upset because things are changing. How many of you know rivers do change? They add. They change the landscape. Everyone does it, from the Mississippi to the Colorado, the Ohio, even here in Florida, the Kissimmee, which just kind of cruises along through the whole state. But when the Holy Spirit flows out of our lives, the landscape around us will change. In our families, in the workplace, the cities we live in, even entire nations are impacted when there is an overflow of the Holy Spirit. The Bible said that we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the entire world. Listen, rivers stir things up. And one reason some Christians are hesitant to flow with the overflow with the Spirit of God is they're afraid of what it will stir up. Listen, how many of you know in your life we just want the Holy Spirit to stir? Rivers remove, they move the sediment out of the way and it begins to build new things. And I want to remind you that you can't build without stirring something up. I believe one of the things that God was speaking to my heart about overflow is that when a river is moving, things that used to be hard to move now get moved easily. If you have ever seen a flood, it is amazing how everything from cars, trucks, houses, anything that's obstructing the path of the river is now easily and almost effortlessly and almost violently swept out of the way. I believe that God is saying that as we will allow the Spirit of God to flow through us and overflow into the world around us, that those things that used to seem like incredible obstacles are going to move with little to no effort on our part. Some of us remember those times in the past when the Spirit of God would move and it seemed like things were easy. I can promise you that the last 20 years of ministry in America have been a time where you felt like every bit of ground you were gaining was very much, uh, you were walking through it, you felt the weight of it, you felt the movement of it, and you just knew that it was going to be a battle to get things out of the way. I believe that when the Spirit of God moves in power, those things that used to be obstacles now seem effortless. Why? Because we stop doing it in our own strength, and we do it in the strength of the Lord. I want you to mark this down. It is important to notice that Jesus said out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water, plural, not just a river. While there is one Holy Spirit, there are many ways that the Holy Spirit moves through us. And while Jesus gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit offers us many gifts and many streams through which he flows. I want to ask you, 
Are you willing to allow the Spirit of God to move through your life in ways that He's never moved before? We need to quit trying to control the Holy Spirit. I heard the Holy Spirit speak to my heart these words. Take the limits off God. Take the limits off God. We need to quit trying to control the way the Holy Spirit moves through us and go with the flow and surrender ourselves to Him. Now, I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit is not reckless. He is not destructive, but life-giving. He is restoring, and He is redemptive. And we need to know the difference and understand the difference between a powerful moving of God and chaos. Even when many... uh, see God move in power, he is, we must remember that he's a God of order. And someone needs to hear this. If you will release control, you do not need to fear chaos because God is in control. What people say is, I'm afraid what God will do. Listen, it'll be better than you ever thought possible. When God showed Ezekiel the river that was flowing from the temple, there came a point where it was so deep that all Ezekiel could do is swim. And he could either fight the current or he could go with the current. He could swim back to shore and stay in the shallows or he could get into what God was doing and go with the flow. I have found that some people are tired because instead of going with the flow of what the Spirit of God wants to do in and through our lives, we're fighting and swimming in our own strength. When God never called us at all to swim, but to just sit in the current and to let Him move us. Listen, I love getting in rapids and I love flowing. I don't mind when we're in a time when it's a lazy river or when the river begins to pick up steam. As long as I'm in the flow of what God's doing, I want to be right where he is. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. I want to say that again to you. Listen, take the limits off of God. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. That means that if you ask God for something, He's not going to just give you what you asked for. He'll do better than that. Often people are accused of small thinking. And it's not that most Christians are small thinkers. We're just natural thinkers. What is within our ability to think to see, or to dream. I want to remind you in this season of vision for our church to take the limits off God. God said to Isaiah, he said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my way, or your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Something happens when you allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you. You stop thinking and asking in a limited way, and you start to know His ways that are exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Turn to someone and say, above all, above everything, His ways. Take the limits off the Lord this year. What is He wanting to do in your life, through your life? What does He want to do through the life of this church? I believe exceedingly, abundantly, above all, that we ask or think. 
Last year, I want to remind you, we saw three people come back from the grave. Can I tell you, that's pretty cool in one year. And God says he can do exceedingly abundantly above that. How many of you believe you can think higher than that? Not just physically. What's God wanting to do in your family? What's God wanting to do in your workplace? What does God want to do through your life? And here's what I found. When I become more concerned about what I want God to do through me, the things that I'm involved in, he'll begin to overflow right in those areas. Something happens when you allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you. You stop thinking and asking in a limited way, and you start to know that his ways are exceedingly, abundantly, above all. There's a song we'll probably do in the next coming weeks or months called Miracle. We need a miracle. It says, we need a miracle. You're a miracle maker. God of the impossible, there is no power greater, exceeding, abundant, beyond what we could ask or think. We call on your name. When you and I call on the name of Jesus, I want to tell you we're calling on the name that is above every name. We're calling on the name of the one who is able to move mountains with just a word from his mouth. And all too often do we, not, we do not see the exceeding abundance of overflow because we're too busy trying to control the river. I have a word that I want to leave us with this morning. When you try to control a river, what you do is divert its natural flow, and you create an artificial environment. I want to say that again. When you try to divert and control the natural flow of a river, you create an artificial environment. Now, you create the ability to live where you may not be supposed to live. It's one thing for God to provide streams in the desert, and it's quite another to artificially dam up the river and create an oasis that must be continually and artificially and manually watered. America is beginning to experience that right now. Today, places like Las Vegas and Phoenix are now supporting more life in desert towns where they were never meant to have that many people. And all of a sudden they're wondering, why in the world are we in trouble? They're running out of what? No one saw that coming? You decided to build fountains and green grasses? It's a miracle. You were able to do it but you have to artificially keep it going. People have built entire cities and places that were never meant to support that much life. Man thought they could divert things and that they knew better. People build dams because they're afraid. They're afraid they're going to run out. But I want to tell you what we're finding is that dams are unsustainable in the long run. Now, I'm not here to make an environmental statement. Listen, I'm trying to help you see in the natural what God wants to do in the spiritual. A dam will eventually dry up or burst or need rebuilt. And that has consequences for everything downstream and backstream.
There are a lot of people that have tried, even in the spiritual, to create an artificial environment. I want to tell you around the world right now, we're finding a lot of churches that aren't working because we've created artificial environments, lights and smoke machines and everything like that. Now, I believe people love the Lord. I believe they did it with good intentions. But you built a dam. And we're finding this becoming the most unchurched generation in history. People are leaving left and right. And then we had COVID. And people decided we couldn't be in buildings and worship together. But listen, we're the church, not the building. But we need one another. With the dam, we can control the flow of water, but now we determine how fast or slow the current will be or if we want to turn it off instead of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I want someone to hear this. Take the limits off God. And trust him to bring a constant flow. Allow him to determine how fast or how slow the current will be moving or where he wants to overflow the banks. Anytime man tries to control the flow of water, we not only create an artificial environment, we mess up the natural flow and even destroy things God wanted to stand. And the same is true when we try to control what the Spirit of God wants to do. I believe we're entering a season of overflow. Two days ago, I was watching something, and the Lord spoke this to me. He said, I want you to show this. I want you to teach this in your message. They showed a dam that had been closed. It had its flow, but the gates were closed for over 20 years. They had been controlling the flow of what was happening. There was just a trickle moving downstream. Been a lot of pressure that built up behind it. Do you realize a lot of the pressure we feel is because we've blocked what the Holy Spirit is doing? They opened the gate. And the thing that was remarkable to me when that floodgate opened was the first thing that came out wasn't water. There was clay and junk. And this thing was down pretty far in the dam. It had been, you know, it was like half, maybe like three quarters of the way down. They opened the gate. And I'm just watching. Listen, I'm watching this. I'm just trying to take a nap. I'm watching TV. How many of you know then the Holy Ghost will speak to you? And what burst out of that gate was all the sludge and muck decades and all that flowed out, the pressure of what needed to happen was all this junk. And I mean, and it shot out. If you've ever watched a, a gate open on a dam, the water will just shoot. But it began to shoot just debris and sludge and muck and stuff that had never been moved out of the way for decades. And that's what came out first. And then muddy water. And then the clear water. I believe one of the things we're going to see, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak that to me, was as he begins to move for a long time, there have been those of us, there have been churches in the world, we've allowed, instead of allowing the Spirit to move freely, 
we've, a lot of things that could have been dealt with before have actually built up behind. Can you imagine the pressure that puts on the dam? All the hurt, all the pain, all the junk. And out it came. And it went on for a little while. I was shocked. I'm watching this, and I'm like, well, that's a couple minutes. And then finally, the pure water began to flow. Some have been trying to control the Holy Spirit in your life. And you have been under such pressure. God, you can work this far, but no farther. I like being filled back here in this reservoir, but I'm only going to give out a little. I'm only going to let you work through me. And inside of you, there is this buildup of pain and hurt. And listen, not just in believers, but you can see that build up in the world. And if we as a church, first of all, God is going to purify. God's going to heal. Now get ready. When the Spirit of God moves, some pe- the thing that's beautiful about the body of Christ is with the family of God. So when all the junk happens, you're not afraid of it. You let the Holy Spirit deal with it. Listen, when Emily throws up on me, and she does, We've discovered again that just like her mother, projectile vomit is a thing. I didn't know that that much could come out. Yes, I'm talking about you, Emily. I didn't know that that much could actually come out of a child this big. But I don't throw Emily away. I clean her up first. Or actually, I give her to Grandma and she cleans her up first. But be that may, let's just be honest. Can we be honest? Glory to God. And then we get ourselves taken care of. We have so sanitized the church that we forget spiritual babes. And even those who have long been with the Lord but not allowed the flow, we get afraid of that stuff. God's bringing it up. I believe God will deal with his people first. You're going to see some of that. A lot of churches never make it through that phase. They just look at it and go, that's too much sludge, I'm done. It's just weird. But I promise you, once that happens, then the Spirit of God begins to move. And we just love one another and care for one another. For some of you, there's buildup. Listen, as you allow the Holy Spirit to move, He's going to get rid of all that junk. Let Him do it. We have, we even have terms for that within the ministry. We call it spiritual vomit. People do that. It's okay. If you've ever been to a counselor and you've had pain, counselors call that emotional vomit when they just bring that up. You ever been there where someone just breaks? But it purges. And God cleans. And he heals. And he restores. You see, for a long time we've thought that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would just bring a lot of shouting in a church. I love shouting. 
I love when we get excited about the Lord and the Spirit of God moves. I love Holy Ghost goosebumps. You can give them to me every day. But I want to tell you, if that's all we have, that's nothing. I believe that God, what God wants to do will be all of that and even more. God is getting ready to open the floodgates of heaven. I believe we are entering a season of overflow and that God desires to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Preacher, what's that going to look like? I don't know. Listen, how many of you know rivers do different things in different places? But how many of you will come expecting into the new year with me? If you will, will you stand with me this morning? Spirit of overflow. There's freedom. You want to play that? Yes. Okay. I want to ask you this morning, how many of you can believe abundantly above all you could ask or think? How many of you will come expecting the new year? Something I'd like to know, with every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you right now could just use the healing of God in your life? The overflowing, healing, cleansing power of God. Father, this morning we start this right here this second Sunday of the year, our first Sunday of praying and fasting as we enter into this season of 21 days. Lord, we know that beginnings are significant and powerful. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in this church over the last year, deeper, higher, wider, further. And God, we have. Lord, you've done remarkable things. But Lord, each year we step in with a fresh vision, with fresh work, with fresh eyes, knowing that you are continually moving and working. Spirit of God, right now you see the hands that were raised. And Lord, I pray for your your touch upon them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the overflowing grace and mercy of God that is released into hearts and minds, refreshing and renewing. Lord, you didn't come to bring a heaviness this morning. You came to bring a freedom. But Lord, I thank you that that freedom, when it bursts out of there, you begin to deal with the hurt and the pain and the fear and all the things that we've allowed to build up over the past. But Spirit of God, we say, come and work through our lives. Thank you, Lord. We're not afraid of what you're going to do. We're thankful that we can trust you, that you are the healer, you are the redeemer, you are the encourager, you are the one who blesses us and fills us and Lord, I thank you as we let go of those buildup of hurt and pain and sin that in replace behind it, the Spirit of God ejects all of that from our life and brings the purity and the refreshing of the Spirit of God. And I ask you to do that in the lives of each of your people right now in Jesus' name. If you would say with me, Pastor, for the next 21 days, I'm going to join in believing for overflow for the rest of the year. If you would come and agree, would you just lift your hands with me this morning? Listen, I want to tell you, I believe that this whole room becomes an altar, not just here at the front. We're going to have plenty of time. But Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way in each of us, Lord, in our individual lives, in our families, in the ministries that you are raising up in and through us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you will fill us to overflowing. Lord, I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord God, that you come on that day of Pentecost and you filled us, that you began to 
fill us with not only you, but you began to fill us with the gifts and the life that will flow through us. Today we welcome every bit of that new. Holy Spirit, we want you, every bit of you, not just some of you, not just a little bit. We refuse to try to control what you're doing. Like Ezekiel, we are getting into the flow of the river of God. And Father, we pray that we would be so in the middle of what you're doing that everywhere we go, rivers would flow. Father, I thank you that we'll recognize we're in the midst of it when the river's moving like rapids. I thank you for that wonderful, fast, quick-moving work of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I thank you for seasons where we're still in the flow, but it's become a slow-moving river. It's widened out and gotten deeper, and we're able to just relax in the presence of God. Thank you, Lord, that there are seasons of rest, but still you're moving. Seasons where it's a little bit slower. And then, God, you refresh us so we can move as it narrows again, and you begin to pour out in even greater ways. Spirit of God, let the reign of the Holy Ghost come upon this church. Let the reign of the Holy Spirit be in our families. Let the reign of the Holy Spirit move through our businesses and our ministries. We pray that what we would see you do in the life of this church would make everything you've done in the past pale in comparison. Spirit of God, we say we will not build dams to hold things back. We will just allow your spirit to move. We won't try to create an artificial environment. Lord, I pray right now that in our lives you would move out every dead thing, everything that's dead, things that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing, relationships that we're involved in that we shouldn't be involved in. Father God, dead things and things that we allow our mind to see and our ears to listen to, that God, you would purify us so that we are clean and holy and righteous before a holy and righteous God. Father, I pray there'd be conviction of sin and repentance like we've never seen before. And then, God, I pray there'd be the freedom that comes with it. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever it is you want to deal with in our life, we yield ourselves to that working. However deep you want to go, go that deep. And, Father, we worship you and we welcome you. I pray, Lord, that as you begin to do it, Lord, when we see people have those ejections of the sludge as you begin to move in their life, that, Father, we would love them. You're the cleaner. You said we're to be fishers of men. You asked us to catch. You said you'd clean. So I thank you, Lord, we don't have to be about the cleaning process. We have to be about the loving process. You said then to make disciples. And Lord, as you're getting rid of all that stuff and it begins to flow, I thank you that you use us to help bring them into relationship without being condemning, without pointing out all the junk, without being shocked by it and repulsed by it. But Lord, knowing that you will heal, clean, restore. Let us be your love extended. Lord, we ask that you'd give us this city. We ask that you'd give us this county. Let Jupiter and West Palm Beach, or the, the, the county of Palm Beach, come to Jesus. We pray, Lord, that the overflow 
Lord, we don't, we're not selfish enough or even prideful enough to think you just do it in this church. We ask God that you would bless every Bible-believing church in Jesus' name. That God, while you let us, you led me as I was praying on Friday night. This city is known for baseball and beaches and, and tennis and golf and wealth. Lord, I pray that what you would do through this year would change the definition of this place and it would be known for Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would touch the wealthiest people in our community and that, Lord, you would touch those that no one even sees. I'll ask you, God, that, at the f- that this, this community would become like what it looks like at the foot of the cross, even ground where we all stand together. And we'll give you glory for doing it. In Jesus' name. Do you believe he'll do that? He is so faithful. If you believe we'll do it, okay, listen, give a shout. We do that at the end of services. It'll feel good. There's a way to end the church. I don't know. Listen, the Lord bless you. I thank you for being prayer warriors. It is a privilege to serve a church with people that love God. I'm expecting God to do great things. Go out and let the river flow through you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Listen, can I just remind you? We do have Wednesday night service. Look at me, look at me, real quick, real quick. We do have Wednesday night church. Say that with me. We do have Wednesday night church. I'd love to see you here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. God bless you.